Welcome to Jambalaya. We may not know what's in it, but we promise it's good. I'm Kyle. And I'm Cody. And Matt, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Matt. <laughs> Matt nice to meet me. So, so happy on the podcast. So enthusiastic today. Actually, Matt sounds like Tom Waits when he's not on mic. <laughs> Who's Tom Waits? The piano's been drinking. I guess that's, <laughs> that guy. I guess that's Tom Waits. <laughs> it's Tom Waits. He's a musician. He's... Yeah, he just, he just stepped in for a second. Oh. Bye, Tom. <laughs> he's one of those musicians. <laughs> he's one of those musicians that I hear about all the time from white people, but I never know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> and if that last joke of that last comment offended you, congratulations. You are in for a treat for the rest of the day, <laughs> for we're, the rest of this podcast. We're a spicy podcast. <laughs> On the menu for the day, we will be talking about a couple of just, you know, small things that maybe don't matter that much. Things like, I don't know, identity politics. Oh, not controversial. Mm, tolerance. Oh, Whether you can yeah. be too tolerant or if your tolerance of the intolerant eventually leads to no tolerance whatsoever. Inception. You've intolerated my brain. <laughs> Blah. But before we get into any of that, we're going to start off on something really, or I guess kind of fun. Yeah, it's fun. Talk about the, oh, spoiler alert, I guess. Even though it's really not a spoiler alert because this is a movie uh, based on real events that already happened that you should probably know about. In case you haven't guessed what I'm talking about yet, we're going to be talking about Black Klansmen. Yeah. So first of all, I just want everyone, everybody to know, if you go to Google and you type in Black Klansman, 99% chance that you're going to get the right one, the one that we're talking about, the one that came out mm, like a, yesterday, a few weeks ago. But if you really want to have fun, go to YouTube and type in Black Klansman, and it will give you the original Black Klansman movie. And it is fucking hilarious you'd be very confused if you watched that movie and then heard people talk about black clansmen what said you'd be very confused if you listened to a podcast about black clansmen after you watched that movie i guess i'm gonna give like everybody did you watch that movie which one the original one yeah oh yeah i did oh i should have watched. it's free on youtube oh basically it's about a uh black guy i'm gonna put black guy in quotation marks because he's a black guy who is light-skinned enough to pass for white. And so he uses his superpower of passing for white to join the Ku Klux Klan in order to get revenge on the Klan because they killed his little girl. Oh, no. Did I ignore that? We didn't drop anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in that movie, is, it's a, is it a white actor or is it a black actor? Wouldn't it... It's a white actor. Yeah, it's a white oh. actor. It's a white actor playing a black guy playing a white guy. <laughs> hmm. Is he wearing any Inception. type of paint on his face? Um, I think it's it's in black and white, so oh. it's hard to tell. <laughs> so it's like that uh like that whole Hitchcock thing where he used chocolate syrup as blood. Ooh. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't make perfect sense. <laughs> there was some improv moments during Hitchcock delicious, movies where people lick their sense. fingers. Go, mm, oh, delicious. Mm, this blood is good. And then Hitchcock would be like, you're not that type of maniac. And they'd be like, oh, but it's delicious. <laughs> so I went into, okay, so I'm going to switch gears to like talking about like the most recent version of Black Klansman. All right, first of all, I enjoyed the movie. 
it like hit a, it really had like only a couple of main points that I was really glad that it hit. One is it hit like the issue of police brutality. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. And then the other one, it hits on the idea of different pe- people of different ethnicities passing in society. And there was one more, I swear to God, I'll think about it before the end of this podcast. Is it related to stuff that's happening now? Because that's like, it makes a big point at the Ah, end yes. The Do you want to talk about that now? Or should I just save that for the end? I mean, I'll just, well, I'll just say it right now. Uh, I really like the, the uh, parallel that they draw between, uh, like in the movie, Birth of a Nation, and I guess our current administration right now. Uh, a little bit further on that. They, like, in the movie, they describe Birth of a Nation as, like, this piece of artwork, this film, that kind of revitalized uh, the idea of white supremacy, or I guess, like, they would describe it as just white purity in America. And honestly, like, from where I sit, from my perspective, that's the exact same thing that, like, happened with, like, the day Donald Trump came became president, and we saw everything that, uh, everything referencing like white supremacist groups or just like white supremacy in general like it all just seemed like it came to a head and just like oh my god we're powerful now we've been reborn because this happened and i was really real they made some really interesting stuff when they made that point cody yeah no i liked i liked the movie like as a movie it was uh very entertaining and also funny but like i said like again Never gonna say Shame like again ever, you. and I'll have the audience know this. I know I said it too, you a few times. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Loke, <laughs> don't just replace it through it with a different word. As if, <laughs> as if, whatever, whatever. Psych. God, I got no. Got continue you all to your point. Me. No, it was both funny and it had a, a point to it, connecting like the politics of now to back then to where at the end of the movie you're like i was super entertained but also i'm kind of bummed out (laughs) especially because the end of it is referring specifically to the uh charlottesville that the marches and then the the woman that died when that car drove through the crowd because they show a a photo of the person that died yeah that's like the last image you see is that person that was really uh that was how should I describe it? That you know, really I've unsettling. never heard of Spike Lee being heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Message! I think Spike Lee seems I like just how like he really happy... likes softballs things. Like, Here he doesn't do. really... He's so subtle, he doesn't really want you to get the point. You understand what I'm saying, Matt? I... I... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who can't see, his sarcasm is being implied heavily right now. I don't know if you hear sarcasm more or you see it more. Hopefully you can hear sarcasm more than you see it. I think it's more of a complete package. Like, you oh. just got to read the body language and listen to the tone of voice. See, sometimes I get sarcasm wrong, I think. Because what I do is I go, I'm going to say this without any emotion. Because obviously it's stupid. But then somebody takes me seriously and I'm like, oh. You, you thought I was serious. <laughs> oh, I messed up. <laughs> Speaking of, like, on that point that you just made right there about, like, people, like, 
the things being lost in translation because people just don't get what you're saying, even though you like think that you're joking. Uh, like I'm like going back to Black Klansman. Okay, so the best way I can describe it is okay. This is Remember the Titans, just with police officers. <laughs> like this is the same story as Remember the Titans, to where you have like you know, you it's the 1970s and strong side. <laughs> Wait, what was the response to that? Because I don't I remember. I forget now. Was it weak side or is it just strong side? Weak side. I don't think, think it's so. a weak <laughs> side. That would be funny if there's one. Group I think it's of a left that's side. Like strong it's side. Yeah, there's like strong weak. side. <laughs> weak side. <laughs> Why do we have you on our team? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Police brutality. No, no, no. Uh, about the, the yeah. <laughs> Bertier. Oh, okay, yeah. Comparing the uh, relationships that uh, the main character Ron Stallworth. Uh, the relationships that he develops in the movie, like with the his supporting characters, like his literal supporting characters, like the other police officers there, there was like this. Uh, you could definitely like see the, uh, I guess the developing camaraderie between them, and also like that kind of it definitely speaks to how even though, or it seems like it speaks to how even though you can live in an environment to where one particular person or one particular group is having things done to them that like will definitely radicalize them. That doesn't mean that that group can have, doesn't have allies. And I think that that's just a really important thing for everyone to understand because sometimes it feels like, I mean, I'm as, I'm as left progressive and liberal as it comes, but some of the things that I see, I uh, can't really think of them right now or because they're all just kind of like varied. But sometimes there is a tendency to, I guess, um, I don't know. There's just this, uh, it seems like this trend where if we go too far to the left, then we just lose allies. Yeah. I know, that's a, that was a terrible point I just made. But anyway... Well, no, I, I can connect it to the, the movie because I think this is one of the things the movie does pretty well. Like, especially in terms of Ron Stallworth being a cop. Because, mm-hmm. like, he has a relationship with the uh, the head of the student... Yeah, Black Student Union. Black Student Union. And then she's like, no, you got to do this shit from the outside and then knock it all down. He's like, but why not just go from the inside? And then the conversation, she's like, well, you can't because cops are pigs. And he's like, but not... I'm not a well. He didn't say I'm not a pig. Cause he's undercover at this point. But like, he's got the thing to where it's a uh, inter. Is it intersectionality? Like, if you have more yeah, that's intersectionality. Yeah, like, it's like he has to juggle his identity as a police officer with his identity as a black person and how those things intersect. And then wait, were you finished? Well, talking? I mean, I, not quite yet. Okay, I'm about to be, but um, <laughs> but the the nice part is it kind of gets on something. That goes with what you were saying about like um, alienating folks that would be on your side, or being too extreme where you start ostracizing other people, is because he's he's complex, and most people are complex. They're not just one identity. So like, if you make it so everybody is this one identity, and then if you're not, then you're out. Mm. Then you end up like simplifying things too much to where you like push everybody off. Because at the end of the day, I think it's hard to say anybody is really that simple. I've been reading a few, like on this point about driving away allies, uh, just recently, like within the past few hours, uh, I came upon this article 
uh, from the New York Times. At least I think it was from the New York Times. Or was it the Atlantic? Uh, I'm blanking on it right now, but it was regarding uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I was interested in it because I'm interested, like, I, I, I like some of the stuff that, well, I like a lot of stuff that Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote. Um, uh, mostly because he, didn't he write Black Panther for a while? Like the yeah, series? He yeah, he wrote Black Panther for a while. Because he's the same dude that wrote Hamilton. Yeah. And he wrote that. And then, I think it's The Atlantic. I'm going to Google it while you're talking. I was about to say, so yeah, he got all kinds of street cred with me. But anyway, there is this kind of growing amount of criticism that Tommy Hazard Coates has been, um, uh, has been thrown Tommy Hazard Coates' way. Because people have begun, or at least some people, specifically other black writers, have kind of noticed that his type of writing or his style of writing is so... Mm, what's good? Like, I don't want to use the word volatile, but it's just like... Yeah, I guess volatile Provocative? Is well, pro- more than provocative, but it's counterproductive to building relationships with... Uh, with other people and making allies because if you hear them talk about it, they kind of describe his writings now is to like kind of how's he code to basically saying that, well, I think all, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to generalize Don how's code. I like him enough not to say anything to not say what I was about to say. Well, I mean, do you feel like he's, well, I, you know, it's it's weird because talking Cause about... Just in the sake of transparency, I like Tom Hazard Coates. I like the fact that he wrote Black Panther, and I like those stories that he wrote. Uh, but I've only read a few things from him, like Eight Years in Power, and like I've read a few of his uh, essays and like his news articles. And like I, I never really... I mean, like I got the sense that he was uh, angry. Well, yeah, angry. But at the same time, I understood where the anger was coming from, and I understood his reasons for being that angry, and I really sympathized with like with his, I guess, almost pessimistic outlook. Which I on mean, race sense. relations in America. But it is the thing where you can't like you can't. I don't know, it's hard to start a conversation about anything if you start with a baseline assumption that the other person's arguing in bad faith. Mm. Or they're not really in it to cooperate. Like some folks, you could probably say that, but like you can't if you make a general statement. It goes with the identity thing. If you start and then assume somebody's an enemy, if you go like, "I'm going to talk to this white person," you go like, "Yeah, but that white person's racist, so I'm going like, to just not. Oh, I don't need to talk to him." But the other side of that, it's kind of like the it's like the Chris Rock joke to where he's like, you know. I don't think they're going to say it, but if Regis Philbin all of a sudden dropped the N-bomb and was like, I'm going to just say a bunch of racist things, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> like, you can keep both I love those. that joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. And I think you can, you can keep those two things in your head at the same time. Yeah, but I think, like, that is pretty much, like, where Tony Hazard Coates is coming from. Like, he, like, is exactly in that space that Chris Rock was in when he told that joke to where, yeah... Uh, if Regis Philbin said racist things and stabbed me in the neck with a pencil and like started calling me like nigga nigga nigga, then I really shouldn't be surprised. Like, but I'm gonna treat him as a friend up until that point. But if he does that, I'm not gonna be surprised. <laughs> so I definitely like. I think he's definitely coming from that point to the where it's just like he knows that allies are out there, but he also realizes that there is just kind of this 
Uh, I mean, from his perspective, perspective it kind of seems like the problem of racism is almost intractable because it's so just... Uh, to say institutionalized is a bad word because that implies that... No, I guess that's the best word that I can think of. It's just so institutionalized in the fabric of this country that there's no real way around it. Like, it's kind of... Like, it's... It's prevalent in almost every aspect, but it's just that thing that nobody talks about a lot. Yeah. So, nothing re- like there's nothing really to be done about it. It's, well, it's, I think that that's maybe I think where it would go too far to say that there's because I think you can say it's it's in- institutionalized, but to say you can't do anything about it, maybe an individual like if the person that runs your institutions or your police chief or your police department is has a history of, of violence toward minorities or unfair treatment and then the person who's directing that policy is the chief of the police or the representative then at some point you'd be like if i complain to the police it doesn't matter because they know what they're doing like then yeah as an individual maybe there's not a lot you can do but overall like that goes to the bigger picture to where it's like representation matters and then who you elect or like who you have in mm-hmm. front of those institutions it's kind of like to connect it back to the movie and this is, I, I really liked the movie because it was, it did an interesting thing to where, like most movies, there's a problem that's set up and then it's resolved within the movie and then it's kind of a happy ending. But then what the movie actually does is it does both. This movie had a happy ending. But not the end. <laughs> like, and then, so they do, they bust somebody and then it kind of goes up. But then like the police chief, who's kind of been a friend, but like hard to read exactly yeah. where he is. He just kind of goes, and then we're just going to shut down this unit. Yep. And it's that weird, suspicious thing. Not just shut down the why. unit, but like everything about that case got locked away. But I don't know if that happened in the real life. But that's how it played out in the movie. Like, I really hope that that didn't happen in real life because that would just, uh, that be that would be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, you're like, oh, we really turned some stuff up, and then someone is like, you're not gonna find anything else. You're done. You did your job. I was gonna say, so like your but, ra- racism is dead. <laughs> but um, okay, if the movie is being, uh, which reminds me, we should probably both read. Ron Stallworth's book after this and then come back. And, yeah, that would be And come back and have this conversation. But right now, we're just talking about what was in the movie. So, it kind of, like, they kind of set you up for that. Like, they give you these just, like, they kind of drop some hints as to why that would be justified, like, while you watch a movie. Because I remember, like, when Ron, uh, well, when Adam Driver, a.k.a. Ron Stallworth. A.k.a. something Vader. A.k.a. I forgot his name. <laughs> Uh, when he was uh, out in the country with the uh, other members of the organization, yeah. hashtag the Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> when he was out there with them, and Ron got the pictures, and then he sent them to the FBI guys, he was just like, yeah, two of the people that you photographed in that picture are like, pretty high up in the government. Like, they, like um, to use the words of the guy in the movie or the actor in the movie, he was just like, they are made to, you know, these are the people that we trust with our safety. And so, like, when you look at it from that perspective... It's not too surprising that if somebody higher up in the food chain asked that police, asked the Colorado Springs Police Department to just like kind of drop that case, you could definitely see how it would happen. Also, it makes the additional point of like the uh, well, it kind of crystallizes Patrice's point. Patrice is the uh, uh, leader of the Black Student Union in the movie. Oh, okay. 
And when she asked the question, just like, hey, do you really think you can change things from the inside? And Ron's answer was like, obviously, yes. But at the same time, you have that other situation that we just described to where, like, there are people who are inside the system who are completely against you gaining any ground whatsoever. So if you can't, like, you know, if you can't, if you, those people don't allow you to move forward and they're at, like, the top, like, the highest echelons of, you know, the system that you're trying to protect and change, then how can you, how much can you really change it? basically right weren't those two guys uh like they were like uh the people in nato norad yeah norad Norad, right yeah and uh so did that part actually happen yeah that's all right and they they were the ones who like pressed the button for like nuclear weapons (sighs) yep all right so i think uh, i think ron stalwer said that they got reassigned he so said, they're like they were still in the government like they he were said still... that they got reassigned and i don't know if this was i think it was half joking but he said uh iceland or something you know what's greenland the north pole secretaries of state somewhere presidents of the united states right. somewhere no <laughs> i i think that, that's kind of i think that's the point of the movie i mean that's because it's not like this is also the thing where I was like thinking about the book and then the movie and like going, that was not in the book. No one ever said that either. It's too closely related to, uh, I forgot the direct Spike Lee thinking about now, mm-hmm. like the scene to where they're walking down to the, uh, evidence locker, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Ron Stallworth's commanding officer is telling about the election thing. And like, um, uh, David Duke. Yeah. What David Duke's trying to do where he's like, Ron is like, that's extremely racist and unlikely. And then that guy's like, no, what they're trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be naive. Yeah. They're not saying the word, but they're putting the topics underneath stuff like immigration in politics that you can say without being racist. And Ron Selworth is like, oh, I understand. And I'm I'm glad you made that point because on that topic – I think we can like have a, like I can have a more like a little bit more fact based conversation. Okay, so the thing that he described, obviously, it's already come true. And like, let's just throw Donald Trump and his administration out of it. Let's just throw out the coded language that he may or may not, but probably does use <laughs> when talking about certain things. Let's talk about people like Richard Spencer and groups like Europa Identity. Do you know about Europa Identity? You told me about this, and yeah. I forgot it already. So Europa Identity, they are... I don't think they describe themselves as a white supremacist group, but if you look at everything that they stand for and the things that they want, it's really kind of like a soft-balled white supremacist group. Like, they're just trying to soft-ball the racism in so they, because they know that... Well, they made the point in the movie... Which is like the in that same conversation that Ron was having with the uh, the captain. He whatever was, it is Captain yeah, Captain yeah, Base. Whatever the guy's name is, he was a good actor. Yeah, I like that character. <laughs> but he said that, oh yeah, people don't racists don't like being called racists anymore. Racists don't like being called bigots anymore. So they've had to like change and adjust their platforms to something like way more palatable so it's easier for people to come on board. And then you even see that with uh, the character Walter, which is the white supremacist that Adam Driver's character, a.k.a. 
<laughs> that, yeah, I'm just gonna stop saying AKA Ron Sawarf. That um Adam oh, right. Yeah. Uh you even see that with um yeah, Walter. He is like the president of that is he the, chapter of the KKK. Or Sniver Sniver like the more rodent like character, like the crazier one? No, no, no. Uh the he's the guy with the glasses. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's the guy with the glasses? He's the one that like when he's first talking to, to Ron, he's like, we don't like to call ourselves the clan. We're the organization. Exactly. We're the organization. <laughs> That's pretty much the entire point that I was trying to make. Cause like he kind of reflects that perfectly. I, yeah. And that's something, cause I, I have a, a story cause it's related and I think it's funny, but Ooh. so I studied journalism in college and I worked Get at close, my school paper. Um, and I was like writing a story at that time because it was in, it had been 2007 or 2008, and then the Southern Poverty Law Center just issued, like, they released this report that said that militias in the United States are growing. What year was this? It was, like, 2007 or 2008. Oh, okay, so way before we knew this current madness going on. Yeah. Okay. But part of the story, it was, they had released a study, too, that said, like, an increase, I think, of uh, what they, they classified it as hate groups. I mean, a lot of them were. It was like Volksfront. Oh, I forgot names of other stuff. Things like that that had online um, presences. And then one of those things got leaked, like a, a, a list of members of Volksfront or something got leaked on the internet. Mm-hmm. But then when it got leaked, like all those people on that list got super shit because then all of a sudden their names were out. And they'd be like, oh, right. you're a member of Volksfront. We're not going to talk to you. So it's that thing to where they were happy to be in it, but then as soon as their name is public, they go, no, I don't want to talk about this. Right. And, like, I even emailed all of them on the list. <laughs> I did. Nice. The, did they get, did were, anyone email you back? Did well, they... I just got one email, um, and they just said, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it was going to be something along those lines. Yeah, I think I was nice enough in the question. Fuck you, you dirty liberal cuck. That's the thing. I I talked to another organization that was like the conservative family council or something like that. Did they also say "fuck you, you liberal no, cook"? No, but they were nice about it. And then like, well, I mean, I I still think they were wrong about whatever they were thinking. But like, I talked to a head person, and that turned into a conversation about test scores, and then that like trying to use some science and fact to be like, no. Oh, those things don't work but it was weird because this oh. was when i was in chicago and then the 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 dude started talking to me like you know what i mean right you're 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 from memphis <laughs> i felt like Give i was some being of that a good room, old that good old boy locker yeah room talk. i was just like dude i'm being nice to you but don't do that shit <laughs> and okay so i'm glad you made that point because that brings me like something that like i think kind of resonates throughout the movie Okay, so racism is obviously a problem. It can be a problem for anyone. I mean, you can find racist black people who are racist against white people. You can find definitely find white people who are racist against black people. And everybody can be racist to anyone if it's just, you know, like, if you just don't like someone or you have certain opinions about someone based on their skin color. Now, having said that, There is kind of this theme throughout the movie to where uh, it's made very clear that racism isn't a problem. It's more of a problem for black people or minorities in this country because they're the ones who, like, can be 
more harmed by it. And then on top of that, you're asking this same group of people to, like, be trustful of the people who, like, I'm just going to say who are more likely or the people who have a greater chance of, like, meaning them harm. And the kicker is it's just, like, you can't, there's no way to spot them because they look and act and smile in people's faces just like how they would normally. Like, uh, God, what was that? Oh, that scene where the guy you were talking about, uh, I think his name was Jeff in the movie, uh, the crazy one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. one who was always screwing someone. The one whose wife, like, got the bomb and everything. <laughs> that part is so ridiculous. So there's a scene where he goes to Ron's apartment, and he goes in, and he finds, like, the real Ron Stallworth, the actual, like, black <laughs> Ron Stallworth. And so when he sees him, he's just, like, as nice and polite as anyone could possibly be. And just, like, in that moment, like, I was just basically like, yeah, that's, like, you guys should really just stop the movie right there. Because that's, like, I think a big part of the fear that, like, goes with, well, a big part of the fear that goes with trying, people trying to deal with the problem of racism in America is that it's going to affect one group more than the other, and the people in the affected group have no way of knowing if the person who is in a group that is more likely, you know, to have prejudice against them is, like, standing right in front of them. So, you, is it, like, can you really, like, blame any of them or, like, any, like any just, like, any of them to, like, when they see or hear something that, uh, that some, that, like, a, a white person says that, like, can even be construed as racism? Like, you can, you can interpret it as an overreaction, but at the same time, know that, this person is thinking about their safety. Like you don't have to deal with that. That person is, that person is tr trying to, <laughs> yeah, that person is more concerned about their safety and trying to live in this country or just like live. Period. Yeah, it's the flip side to, I don't know, to white folks being like, uh, I feel discriminated against, or like I don't want to be called a racist because as soon as you're called a racist your opinion is is invalid and then you don't really get to say but that's a response to the fact that people can't be openly racist because there are people that are racist mm. but not everything not every person that gets dinged for saying something interpreted as racist is racist but then the problem is there's a whole lot more there's a whole lot of racism that's in the undercurrent now I understand you can't get rid of, and that people don't that they just they already know that you can't come out and be racist. It's like the people that that I tried to email, mm -hmm. like in a room with two people, they're gonna say how they feel. But if you go like then there and then they're in public, they hide that shit because they know that you're not gonna listen to them as soon as right. you know they're racist. So it turns into that like weird thing where people are doing everything in their power to not appear racist, and a lot of those people really are racist. And a few of them aren't, but there's a ton of people who are. Exactly. And it's just, and there's no way to tell. So, like, how do you expect the affected group to react, like, when living in that kind of environment? Well, I don't know. And I'm a black person, and I have zero answers to, like, how to deal with that. I mean, there's always the tried and true, just like, hey, just go out into the world with a smile on your face, and, you know, if someone reveals themselves to be a racist and you get kicked in the teeth, well, you just get kicked in the fucking teeth. 
<laughs> Which is, yeah, that's like a... But just remember, not all of them are like that. <laughs> just take take your kick and then... No, I don't know. I It's it's weird. Like, it's... Uh, I think... I mean, I don't think that... I guess... I guess... See, the flip... The, the, the idea behind that is... That everyone is suspect. Talk to me, brother. <laughs> And and so that that seems super weird. We didn't like talk about the white part. That was that seems super weird to me. Just to, I don't know. Walk around thinking the worst of anyone that you see. It is super weird. And I okay, so I will like I'm just telling you my personal I got like, you. stance no, on no, this. No, no. Like I, a hundred percent try and believe in the best in people. So, I try not to think that way, but at the same time, at the very same time, I know that that other thing is out there, and I also know that that other thing is impossible to detect. Like, almost impossible to detect. I mean, that's so true, but it's the same with, like, rapists. It's, yeah, yeah, it is true. And murderers. I mean, you think about it, if you're a woman, and then part of the argument is it, if you want to assume that that there's bio- biology and gender and all that stuff. If you're a woman, if you're smaller than a dude that's coming up towards you, because dudes tend to be a little bit bigger. Controversial podcast. <laughs> that's my opinion. So I just hope, that, like, I think I would hate if every time someone saw me, they're like. That dude's a racist. <laughs> that dude's a rapist. That dude is a murderer. Right? Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody in the world wants that. So I guess the okay. So it kind of just goes back to what I just remember. This is me giving like my personal stance on this. So I guess it just kind of goes back to this. All right. If you treat, obviously, everybody, well, obviously, when you treat something or treat a person at the individual level and you kind of get to know them, then, yeah, it becomes way easier to say, like, this person isn't a racist. But at the same time, like, if you're on the, if you're not at that level yet, then I would say, or just, yeah, I would say, have that other thing in the back of your mind, that terrible, impossible thing in the back, impossible detect thing in the back of your mind. Put it in the box. But at the same time, just you, ha- <laughs> you have to interact with people in order, to, in order to get to know them, obviously, in order so you can just like kind of let the guard, let the defenses down a little bit. I think it kind of comes down to you can know somebody and you can be like they're nice to me and all my interactions are good. But when they're interacting with somebody else, if they're shitty to that person, then you take that into account where even if you like them, you have to at some point be like, man, we're bros, but (laughs) I can't pretend that you didn't just treat that person like shit. Mm. So you got to find some way to keep that in your head because it's like people that are victims doesn't mean they can't victimize somebody else. All right. Yep. Agreed. And if it's like, it's also, I would go the rule of thumb maybe. And if you don't like are not in a room with somebody and they say something openly terrible, it's like, just see how they treat their waiter. 
mm. or a server or things like that. Like if you're the type of person where you're like you're good to one, and then for the the stranger that you don't know, you're just mean for no reason. Then go like yeah. Maybe objectively, that's some data I can use when I think of this person. If I have to be a character witness, you go think of that moment, just be like, oh, yeah, he did give that person zero dollars. And he just wrote, do your job on the ticket, and then left. <laughs> Are you saying I shouldn't do that anymore? No. But yeah, actually, this is my way of telling you that. I'm so embarrassed when I got a lunch with you. You, you wonder why we'd ever go to the same place twice. <laughs> Shame on you, Cody. <laughs> what? Well, I didn't do it. Shame on you. I didn't do this. But yeah, Matt, that was a good point. It is the same thing. Well, I guess it is parallel to not knowing whether someone is a rapist or a murderer or anything like that. But I guess people are like do like hold that in the back of the mind too. Obviously, it doesn't like affect it. They probably don't let it affect their behavior and like the way they treat you. Like you know. Um, first meeting you. You know, that also makes me think of the fact, I don't know if they're connected, but it, this is what my brain did. They have all those murder shows on Netflix. And, like, the way Netflix works is they go, people like this, so let's make more of this type of thing. There's so many murder shows on Netflix. They're like, how do you make a murderer? How do you avoid a murder? Why did murderer do this? Mm. Your neighbor is going to murder you. It's here's how you should commit suicide. <laughs> yeah. I think people have a fascination with with violent people, even though it's a small subset of the population. It's like the thing to where people go, it's worse than ever, but if you look at the statistics for crime and the rates of like violence and stuff, it's not really going up. Hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. What was I about to say? Oh. Okay, so I think we've covered like i like everything we've said on like how to deal with racism on the individual level just like engaging with people but then like the degree above that or the level above that is just like dealing with the i guess societal effect of racism like in like oh what's a good example like when you're trying to explain like certain disparities uh, between white people and black people, or just any people. Well, stuff let's just say like, let's just keep it to white people and black people right now, because like that's poverty, what everybody wants to talk about, huh? Like the stuff with poverty and yeah, that so. stuff like that. There are like certain, mm, there are certain black thinkers, a few of them who I will not mention, who go down the route that okay, yeah, well, this is them talking, and they will make the argument that like. And say that these things aren't, you know, connected to racism. Or if they are, or these things aren't connected to historical or systematic racism. It's just because of these reasons why black people can't succeed. But at the same time, when they give those reasons, it can easily be argued that within those reasons, that those reasons that they give why it's not racism have their are generated in historical racism, like a a good one, for example, is uh, or a classic one that people always use. How come there's you know uh, no or how come black businesses fail at a greater rate than other businesses? And then like on some uh, a, a couple of research articles say that it's just because they lack capital. 
And then, well, that's what they they reported, like, they lack capital, and so they can't, like, you know, obviously can't operate their businesses. Right, you don't have enough money, it's hard to run a business. And then, like, the situation, like, and then attached to that, well, in addition to lacking capital, uh, a lot of, like, black businesses reported that, well, a lot of black businesses reported that it was just one person, the CEO, and maybe two or three other people that, like, ran the business, which isn't anything inherently wrong. Like, I don't think so. Like, uh, whatever your business is, as long yeah. as you got enough people to do it, there's not really a problem with that. But anyway, back to the issue of capital and them just not having enough money. One person, well, one of the, uh, in the discussion section of the paper was that maybe these people don't, or maybe these black business owners don't have access to a lot of capital is because, like, they just don't have the social network to get into contact <laughs> with people that can help them build to that'll help them you know build the capital that'll help them run their businesses better now you can come up with a lot of reasons as to why they are excluded from those social networks but one of them at least one of the, you can't have that conversation without talking about race and yeah. like how race correlates to uh, the people you know, basically, like how it affects the types of people you know. You can't talk about those things without talking about that one thing, and it's a pretty big thing. Like, yeah, yeah there are other reasons, but that's definitely one of them. It's like it's when you argue in absolutes, it turns into be like you're on the wrong side if you're trying to prove something is a negative, like something like that, to where you go, no, it doesn't exist. <laughs> We're in a complex society. And there's a whole lot of causes for, for everything. If you want to say that that's not, maybe you could say it's not the entire, but if you want to say that's not part of it, that's, like, I, how do you even prove that? Because if you do an experiment in a lab, you know what each variable is. That's how you have an experiment. But you're talking about, like, society and then a, a general thing to where it wasn't in a lab and there's so many different factors. It's, there's no, it's weird to, to make that argument and it turns into an odd thing that's not scientific, and then you you feel a need to, to prove it. I feel like I need to give the correlation coefficient when it came to the ver- of how much the researchers believed race was involved in the building of social networks. I cannot remember it now, and I actually I don't think that they did it, but no, they definitely did it. Like they would have to, because that would just you know strengthen their argument. Oh yeah. So, all right. I will report that correlation coefficient at some point. I promise. It's good to. Do you mean? Do you mean social networks in real life or like on the internet? I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's in real. Like they specify it as in real life. Yeah. What was the time period that was studied? Because I mean, if it's before. I do not remember what time. I mean that that makes sense if you think of segregation. And then kind of accidental. Well, it's not accidental. There's reasons why. (laughs) Red lighting exists. But if, say, Memphis is pretty segregated in terms of where white people live and where black people live. There's no rule that says you can't live here because you're black or you can't live here because you're white. But there's populations in Memphis that's divided along racial lines a lot. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say... Okay, so I would say that it's divided along racial lines, but I would say the bigger variable there is socioeconomic lines. Yeah. And then we can circle back to how socioeconomic is related to races. If you don't have the connections, exactly. and then you can't use them to open a business or move somewhere. Then. I mean, because, like, you can't, like... I mean, if for everybody who doesn't live in Memphis, uh, there's this, uh, well, Midtown, basically which is 
let's just say, I mean, I see more white people in Midtown than I see, like, in any other part of Memphis, basically. Hey, I read a bumper sticker, at least a few, that said Midtown is Memphis. 38105. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, inside jokes. <laughs> local podcast. We're the local fans, and we'll get mad at us. <laughs> but, yeah, God, what is it? Just, like, cross, just cross in the North Memphis and it's a completely different story. You go from these old houses that people have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars being renovated on to like basically shanty. Well, no, that's a that's a terrible that's a terrible thing. Not shanty town, but considerably less well maintained homes and facilities. Send your child to Rhodes, but don't go too far north. Ah, there we go. See, like that's. Depending on where you border, North I was gonna say. Memphis, also, Matt knows way more about Memphis than I do. If you if you cut down uh, like Watkins or or Cleveland, and you go all the way to like Millington or something, like there are those there are those like firm lines. They're just going straight through. You can be like. Oh, this is a pretty poor neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you'll just you'll see a restaurant and the sign is paint on plywood and you're like airbrushed. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a poor neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else to say about it, you know. Or you go by the cars too. So I mean, you're like you're missing a window, and you have a trash bag over your other window, <laughs> and a bunch of different colored doors. So you're like, it didn't quite match. This kind of goes, I think, to identity politics. Do you want to transition to to, to yeah, identity we can politics? go to identity politics. I, I had another thought about the movie. Well, uh, actually, it? <laughs> it, it, it's just like a, the two funny parts is just the the fact that Rod Stallworth the way he says white is like white, <laughs> white. Lots of H. White. I don't know. I don't know if that's a regional lots thing. Lots of no. It's lots from. of W. Is it equal? It's a lot of W and a lot of H. White. Flat. It's like a sound White. of fresh air. White. White. And then also Whip. that that one scene where he's talking to like the the lead officer. I don't know what his title would be, but like. Just say lead officer. Lead officer, and then I think the scenes where he's like, you don't you you talk white though. We're just talking about like you blend in. You're yeah. like, sir, I know how to talk jive. And then he gets like nervous when he starts doing it. Also, I'm just gonna like make this personal comment on the movie. I'm pretty sure no one felt this way except for me, but do you remember the part where they uh were rehearsing in the evidence room and like yeah. they were trying to like Ron like Ron Stallworth was trying to get Adam Driver's character to do his voice, so they just started reading the same thing. <laughs> and they did it for so long that it was just like, oh, man. they Like, you start to think, oh, they do kind of sound alike, or I can't tell the difference between these two people. Even, like, that was probably just me, like, just buying into the movie a little bit. But still, it was... <laughs> it just destroys that whole... Uh, I can't even call it an argument. Just like that whole stupid idea that white people sound this way, black people sound this way. Yeah. And you know, from there, I think it's a good like. I think that's a good C point to actually talk about the idea of passing. 
Now, for everybody that is unfamiliar with that term of like what passing is. What's passing? Shut up, Cody. I'm about to say it. Oh. Give me a second. Okay, God, fine. shut up. Are we there yet? Okay. These whites. <laughs> what? <laughs> Be in the left lane. <laughs> Go fast the fast lane. I love you, Cody. Love you too, Kyle. <laughs> you know you mean to me. But anyway. Uh, passing is this behavior that <laughs> some minorities or some... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got Matt's joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. That's... No, no, okay. Uh... We're, we're going conti- oh, to continue. I'm going to continue my point. Passing is the behavior that some people, specifically in minority groups, engage in to, well... In the context of America, or just like the context that it's most typically understood in, when you pass, it's most typically understood that you are passing for white. And so that's like pretty, that's pretty explicitly mentioned in the movie with the char- with a Adam Driver's character. Uh, when Adam Driver plays a Jewish character, but in the movie, he makes it very, very clear that. He never thought of himself as Jewish, like it was just something that he was told, but he never thought of himself that way. And so the way passing kind of plays, well, Ron Stallworth kind of tells him that, hey, I know what you just said. What you said basically is passing. And basically it just means that Adam Driver's character didn't have to deal with any of the baggage that is attached to a specific minority group. Now, I'm just going to drop my foot in here r- really quickly. I think uh, the, like the Spike Lee, the directors of the film, whoever directed the film, they were Spike just Lee. trying to, yeah. <laughs> he was trying to just kind of like make people take notice that if you can pass for white, well, it's what I just said. Like you don't have to, that's just one less identity that you have to juggle. That's one less thing that you have to deal with. That's one less a point of intersection that you would have to deal with in your life. And it makes things way more simpler if you can just do that. Yeah. I mean, there's two... Like, the question is, is it an active passing? Like, or is he just following the example? Like, are his parents very religious? Or is it just kind of... Where... Not a religious, I suppose. I was going to say, like, if you, like... His character explained it to where, like, well, it's just what I just said. Like, they didn't do anything associated with Judaism. They just told him that he is that he is of Jewish descent, and then that was the end of it. Like, there was nothing really connecting him to that culture. I think, well, one of the reasons that I think this is kind of uh, essential to understanding, I guess, some a part of the black experience at least in the context of america is that passing is basically impossible for most (laughs) for pretty well for what most black people to do like you will always be reminded like every space that you enter as a black person or as like a very obviously non-white minority you will understand that that is a potential like that is like you're the way people see you is a potential barrier to how you will be treated or uh, a potential barrier to I guess opportunities or an indicator of how you'll be treated 
in society. Right. And I, I think it's it's interesting because the topic comes up. I don't remember if it's before or after, but there's a, a scene where Adam Driver is at like one of the Klansmen's house, and then he gets a lie detector test, or he has to go to the basement. You mean then, a Jew detector test? <laughs> yes, that's what he says. Or oh, the Jew lie detector test. Does he say Jew lie I think it's just test? Jew lie detector yeah. test. <laughs> but the way that he out... Well, there's two ways. The initial way he like, pushes it away or stalls is by out-racisting racist, or out-anti-Semitic yeah. out the other person to where he's talking about the... Um, they're talking about the Holocaust, and then I think the phrase turns... All right, pause. One, Let's pump the brakes real quick. Are you sure you want to say what Adam Driver I'm not, said? No, I'm not going to say exactly. Even what he though said. he only said it to like get this Klansman to trust him, so they could eventually take him down. But even though I knew that, and he said what he said, I was like, "Wow, okay." Yeah, it's something real bad. I guess we could just summarize it as that. It was a pro-Holocaust statement. We'll okay. say it that way. <laughs> So that might be before, because at some point the scene is Ron Stallworth goes up to a driver and is like, you okay? Mm. And he's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, do you, you're aware that these people want to murder you. You're Jewish. And then he was like, but I never thought of it that way. So it doesn't bother me. But he's like, but these people want to murder you. <laughs> yeah. And then like to that point when he says like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Like if you're a black person in America, you basically have no choice but to think about it that way because it's very obvious like i hate using that term like you have no choice but to think about it that way but like this is just my personal like this is just my personal opinion you like you can't hide being black (laughs) like if you are a black person i mean unless you're like well this actually gets into the issue of colorism in the black community but like if you are a very like not a fair-skinned black person you are a dark-skinned black person like people will obviously know that you are that because they have eyes and if that person is one of those few racists that exist in society then they will treat you according to that obviously mm. yeah it's interesting because at some point it the like when i saw that scene the thing that um affected me and like i related to the most was adam's driver response is i just think of myself as a person i don't take on an identity mm. to where he does it he's not forced to but you're like what you're like what you're saying if obviously it's like our skin tones are different it doesn't mean anything beyond our skin tones are different but it's also something that you can't hide it's like you don't want to take on that identity or you don't feel like you have to but then other people put that identity on you and you can't avoid it which is, I think, a kind of universal statement is nobody wants to be just assumed that they are this or they are this identity. Every person, at least I want to be treated as, a, as an individual. So it's like as soon as you walk in, if people start making a bunch of assumptions, it's kind of a disservice. But then that's the reality. Like Exactly. That's what racism That's is. the it's reality. Just... And even like, I'll even take it a step back from just like straight up racism, straight up racist trying to make assumptions, just making assumptions about people. Uh, let's go with the idea of just heuristics and the way people just, these little shortcuts that people Rules of make. Thumb yeah, to just help like, you get by. Just like quick and dirty tricks that help people get by. I mean, your heuristics are affected by 
well, any number of things. So, like having like having said that, your heuristics are most definitely affected by the culture that you live in. They're affected by the kind of things that you watch. They're affected by the news that you read. All of those things, like depending on who you ask, uh, like in terms of just like in relation to uh, black people. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna keep coming back to this. It's all right. <laughs> in relation to black people. There is or has been historically a very, uh, let's just say, uh, negative skew regarding all those things with people, with black people in society. Obviously, I mean, it's not so much the case now, but it was that way for so long to the point where anything that happens now, I think you would have a tough time making the argument that we are just like completely separated from that time to where it was bad but now it's gotten better and it would yeah. be it would make be hard to make the argument to say that like oh none of this uh, none of this over here is affecting this over here period right. and all that gets thrown into your your heuristic operating i think it it connects again and then always go back to the movie but it cuz the movie kind of has the point to relate the politics of something is the dog whistle where you go, you can't say something overtly about race, but you can say stuff that like makes the rest of that cluster of ideas in someone's brain light up. Mm. So it's like if you say something about somebody that's related to those set of assumptions, if you go like, like the word thug, for example, I like, just means... thought <laughs> no, what? <laughs> nothing. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, you'd say it means criminal, but then also the way it sounds in people's ears, you say thug, it's kind of code for, like, black people. Black people. <laughs> for some folks, you go, oh, yeah, their pants, that guy's pants are sagging. I'm sure it looks like a thug. Like, that's a set of assumptions that you're making, and it's part of just the style of clothing in that neighborhood. Like, I... What? No, I wasn't gonna say anything. I always think I'm that's just like... judging you. I know. You can't. That's unfair. <laughs> no. Maybe someone's judging me right now, but not Matt. you, Kyle. <laughs> that's just Matt. that's that's what I remember from like, you know, like timid white people not wanting to say uh, that person is black. <laughs> you know, like, oh, who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know, kind of ghetto. <laughs> Who? If you were, ah, uh, they have um, braids. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> if you try to comb their hair, it would be more difficult than combing my hair. Are you talking about that black dude over there? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. Oh, thank you for yeah, saying I didn't know if that was okay or not. I love that. Uh, yeah, black center race is black offensive. Why would black be offensive? Nah. Technically, is African American technically correct even? I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. So once again. Well, I'm okay. So once again, my personal opinion on this: I don't use the term African American. I'm a black person, like I'm a black American. I don't use African American as a term because I think that's more congruent with African immigrants who have like yeah, come, there who are, are like currently over here who are people from, from Africa, Africa yeah. who have immigrated over here recently. I think that that's a category that fits them better than it fits me. I'm just a black American. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I think in some of those ideas you sort of get it sort of gets weird. Like you're like, oh that African American. That dude's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
oh no, but he's African American. No. Like he's not he's not from somewhere in Africa <laughs> and he's not from America. <laughs> Nothing about like, that. Oh, that dude is British. Just an African Canadian then. <laughs> that dude yeah. is uh that dude is from Jamaica. <laughs> what are you talking about? An African Jamaican then. <laughs> I think it's just the weird... Oh, just the Jamaican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the Jamaican. <laughs> it's the um, Dino... Or, oh, I forgot the words for this. Denotation of a word is the dictionary definition of it. Connotation is the implied definition of the word, or the association ah. with the word. I feel like part of the problem that happens when you're trying to talk about it is you almost feel the connotations in your head of a, of a word... And then you don't want those connotations, but at some point, you don't own what other people infer from what you're saying. So they may think that you're implying something that you don't mean to imply. Which, like, it goes to a weird thing to where it almost sounds like I'm defending racism now. Oh, no, like, I, I wasn't looking at you weird. No, because no, I, 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 you, I, I was thinking about something else. Continue. I wasn't thinking of that. I'm just imagining that's the, it's like, that's the headspace of somebody where you're in that weird spot where you're like, no, I didn't. I would. I didn't say what you. I you said I said, or I didn't mean what you said I meant. And then it's like, there's no. It's all awkward for everybody at that point. Okay, so I'm gonna take it way back to like what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast to Matt's point about saying that like, yeah, you could like, but well, we could say the same thing. Like, you don't know if someone's gonna murder or rape you or do any number of terrible things to you. Now. I just, well, I've been thinking about this for a while. I just didn't think about it in that moment because I I blanked on it. But the thing, like, just think about the things that you described right there. Rape, murder, and just any number of terrible things. The way I just, like, typify those things is that all of those things are actual crimes that you can be punished for, like, you know, in a court of law. So you can, like, if you live in a society, like, with rules and infrastructure like we do, you can, like, pretty much guess that almost or at least very few people are gonna, are probably not gonna do those things. Now, with assuming that somebody is, like, if you add racist onto that list, it's not illegal to be a racist. Like, you just have to deal with and tolerate a person who is racist. And then, in addition to that... Not only do you just have to deal and tolerate them, you have to accept the idea that this racist person might at some point in their life like get some kind of power or hold some kind of position to where they could make life way more difficult for you. And so when you think about it that way, it just seems like it's <laughs> it, it's it's not a good way to think of it. Well, it, it, it's just a better way to think of it that way. It, that, I see what like you're saying. Like, yeah. I mean, you're saying like it's different in that way. Like, there's no punishment associated with being a racist. I mean, there that's, is. See, that's true. But, but the, like, it's, it's a social punishment, but not like a real punishment <laughs> for being a racist. But I feel like that would be worse. The social punishment? Oh, yeah. But here's the thing with the social punishment, because I, I wish that it mattered as much as it did, but like now it seems like, and then we avoid saying politicians' name for the most part, but at some point you have to talk about it. So Donald Trump is the president. Oh, yeah, he I can't said believe we, racist fucking shit. I can't believe we've had a whole conversation about this topic without mentioning Donald Trump once. Good job, everybody. Yeah. Good job. 
<laughs> but the movie is also about Donald Trump, so it's fair. <laughs> but he said racist God damn, things. Cody, he okay. said bad things about immigrants. And you would say that, like, if the social <laughs> contract means that the fallout is you just can't do anything in public because the public is because your ideas are terrible because they're tainted. Well, he was elected president. <laughs> So the yes. the social yes. like fall or fallout or the repercussions of saying terrible things like that, maybe they're not so big. I was gonna say maybe the social cost of these things isn't as big as we thought it was. So when you go like the the thing that would work, and I wish it worked this way, is that it's not a crime to be racist because like that would fall into speech, and I'm I'm of the mind that you should be able to say most things, and then you should Fuck let you, society Cody. judge. <laughs> I said it already, man. <laughs> You let society deal with what's say what's good and what's bad and what you can say. But then the problem is if somebody is in power and then you as a minority trust the institution is going to take care of you because there's laws and people have to obey the law. And then all of a sudden people in power are the ones that are responsible for the law and they can change it to fit their racist views. Then it turns into a real issue because you're kind of like, well... He's not doing anything illegal, but at the same time, he's making my life way yeah. harder because of this right so it's no there's no it's sad there's not i can't think of a solution to that it's yeah it's fucked i think i would rather be convicted of manslaughter (laughs) than be than be like than be outed as a racist on (laughs) facebook that's because you care about your friends and you have friends that aren't white that's why you think of it that way that is the level. That is the commitment that Matt has to the cause, to the revolution. I, I, I think that I would rather be convicted of manslaughter. If I was convicted of manslaughter, that would be. I probably didn't mean to murder that person. Right. That's the definition of manslaughter. It's negligence. I would feel worse being a racist. Not being racist, viewed though. as another as a racist to other people. Hmm. What if That's the, understandable. I would personally feel worse. What if the person you manslaughter just shouted out a racial slur right before you accidentally killed them? <laughs> well then But it was toward degree. white people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the irony <laughs> You goddamn cracker! What? What? Uh. <laughs> Oops! What? <laughs> He's Italian. That was weird. The Italian's not white. I thought Italian was white. Oh, now I don't know what to feel. And anyway, I'm very happy we circled back to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that I feel strongly about it because I check all those boxes, like. I'm a big, fat, scary white person. <laughs> like, small women no, are like, that guy's going to rape me. No, you're not. And small women are like, that guy's going to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you know. think about yourself that way, man. You just got to get to no, See, I don't think of myself. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how other people <laughs> view <Yeah>. me. <laughs> no, oh, no, they don't. <laughs> I mean, you can't read people's mind, but I think... I think if you're going to relate to somebody, just assume that nobody wants you to just assume negative things about them. I think everybody wants to be treated as an individual until you give them a reason to think that you're a psycho murderer or something. 
Okay, so I agree. Only with... talk to people in public, maybe. Okay, don't ever so... be alone with anybody ever. There's <laughs> three of us. That's the only advice. reason we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Get a Matt Lauer button. Yes. <laughs> I mean... Because, like, I get what you're saying. Like, wait, repeat what you said? <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to be treated as, as an individual, and nobody wants to just, before you even talk to them, just have it be assumed that they're full of negative thoughts and hatred. Yeah, just like other a, people. On a personal level, like, feeling like some that somebody is thinking of me in a certain way makes me feel weird. It's Sorry, hard to Matt. have a conversation <laughs> with somebody when you feel like they're already... Welcome to the party, Matt. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> Matt gets it. I, I see, get it. I see. <laughs> I see I'm Kyle's bald head, and I'm like, "Fuck, man, this dude's trying to murder Superman." <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the comic books. We just need one mention in every podcast. Just one mention. You get one last time. I yes. like how that's the first assumption you make. <laughs> Fuck, man. This guy's trying this to murder probably Superman. kryptonite, man. Kyle's just mad because of his hair. <laughs> All right, that's probably a good place to end yeah, it. Unless so. you wanted <laughs> you, Lex Luthor, no, motherfucker. <laughs> Next time I see a bald person, I'm gonna run the other way. <laughs> I don't have superpowers. <laughs> yeah, it's either uh, it's either Lex Luthor or Wilson Fisk. Oh yeah. Well, you are pretty big. <laughs> oh, you should shave your head. <laughs> oh, but that probably won't help with the people thinking. No, that <laughs> I mean that 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 will definitely help with the people thinking that I'm a racist. Oh no! <laughs> you need to, You gotta. You have Plus, to it'll show beard. my swastika tattoo. Oh no! And I, <laughs> I can't really have that. AKA. Man. Or oh, hashtag Matt doesn't really have a swastika tattoo. No. But anyway, we're going to end it there, guys. But we're going to start a Kickstarter <laughs> so I can get one. It's ironic. <laughs> Only donations from those of pure Aryan blood will be accepted. It's a, it's a Buddhist symbol. <laughs> It is a Buddhist symbol. I wonder how many. You know what? No, it's, no it's, I'm it's not going to ask that question. Well, maybe it's Buddhist. It's either. I think it's Buddhist. Yeah, it's Buddhist. Yeah, it's actually Buddhist. It means peace, I think, or something like that. Depending on what direction that it's going. Oh. Uh, it means yes. peace. Oh, but the, the thing way, is, uh, people don't really stick around for you to make that distinction no. when they see a fucking swastika on the back of it's, it's hard to know why. <laughs> <laughs> is it. Do you find that when you walk in a room, there's nobody there <laughs> to see that tattoo and everybody leaves before you get there? I keep clearing out all the bars and houses I go into. I'm Kyle. I'm Cody. And you've just been fed a bowl full of jambalaya. Thank You're you welcome. for watching, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, bye. <laughs>